What is good, y'all? It is your boy, Jonathan Dumas here. And hey, I want to talk to y'all about something real quick. Many of y'all know I've been working at home for the last three years, just like a lot of folks have. And what I've found, especially since I found out I have ADHD, is my productivity has gone down exponentially. My friends at Magic Mind actually hit me up and were like, hey, we have a great solution for you. It is a energy supplement. Um, and so I started taking them with my coffee in the morning uh, about a week ago. And I've noticed like a gigantic difference in my mood, in my focus, and in my energy towards the end of the day around two o'clock. It's rough, y'all. It's right there. I'm alert. My anxiety and stress have gone down. I love it. I love it. I love it. And I think a big part of its effectiveness has to do with lion's mane mushrooms. That ingredient reduces anxiety. It supports cognition. Um, it stimulates your brain, y'all. So um, I highly, highly recommend it. I recommend it so much. I'm getting Reggie some so he can take test it out so he finishes out the semester strong. And in fact, I have a code for y'all. I have a 20% off code to share with you all. It is Duma20. To use it, you can go to magicmind.co slash Duma and enter the code Duma20. That is magicmind.co forward slash Duma and enter the code Duma20. And the best part of this is there's a money back guarantee. And if you get the subscription, it's 40% off. But that 40% off code only lasts for 10 days. So you need to hurry up. All right, go check it out, y'all. Now let's get to this conversation. What is good, y'all? It is your boy, Jonathan Dumas. Excited to be with you for this first episode. And to be quite frank with you, <laughs> I really honestly wish that like we could start on a much, a significantly higher note. Um, before I was recording this or um, and really got, on, got in the groove of this, um, some news came out. So a new segment that we're going to do is highly visible um, stories that are happening in the news right now, give some nuance, some color to it, um, and everything like that. Um, so in the wake of the Nashville, Tennessee shooting, um, I'm sure a lot of you already know about that. Um, it was massive news in the last couple of weeks. Um, there was uh, two, three Democratic uh, legislatures were a part of a... Um, Protests that was being held at the state capital, Tennessee state capital, um, two of which are black. One is a white woman. That is important for, given this reason. Two of them, as of today, April 6, 7 p.m., were voted out, expelled um, from the state legislature. Um, an act that actually has been used in that state legislature only a handful of times since the, since the Civil War and is typically only used um, for major misconduct held by a representative and in it, and this is an, a direct retaliation to them standing in solidarity with thousands of kids pleading demanding for legislators to do something pleading and demanding for legislatures to hold themselves accountable to stop the violence there has been over 125 shootings school shootings or mass shootings since January 1st, and we're on April 6th, just Representative Justin Jones, uh, the representative of Nashville, Justin Pearson, representative out of Memphis, and then Representative Gloria Johnson, um, representing, representing Knoxville, um, were the ones that held this uh, stood in solidarity with them. They were expelled by the Republican counterparts for doing so. Um, Rep Representative Gloria Johnson um, escaped the vote 
by one of being expelled as well. Um, so what I'll do now is I'm actually just going to let State Representative Pearson um, speak. He, he spoke after he was expelled from the state legislature. So I'm just going to go ahead and play that clip right now for you and just listen to what he has to say. In order that the International Rifle Association and all of these gun lobbyists continue to be able to have control over our legislation. What's going through my mind right now is we need to fight for democracy in the state of Tennessee, and we need people not only just to vote, but people to show up and speak out so that we can end the gun violence epidemic that's happening in our state. This is wrong, this is unjust, and this is not the way that it has to be. There is a better way for us to live, and we don't have to live this way. But the Republican Party of the state of Tennessee want to keep things the same. If you want to fight to change it, if you want to help to make this place a better place, you have to use your voice, you have to use your power, and yes, sometimes you've got to get expelled. change and I'll continue to fight and my family will continue to fight to make it the place that it ought to be and not the place that it is now. To everybody in Memphis and Millington and District 86, I love you. I thank you and thank you for believing that changing and fighting to change the status quo is the right thing to do. We knew we were going to keep our principles and our values. We knew that we were going to have our ancestors with us. We knew that we were not going to yield to injustice. And we will not yield because there's too much at stake. We see gun violence every single day. We have too many loved ones that we're putting in the ground. And these folks up here treat things like it's business as usual. It is not business as usual. Our lives are at stake. And we're going to fight for our lives just like they're fighting for the NRA. Sir, do this again. If you keep Disobedience. Civil disobedience is what built this country. Resisting the status quo built the United States of America into the institution that it is, and it's my ancestors' resistance that got me here. And so I will not forget them or forget the struggles of people, especially children who march, children who were beaten by dogs, children who were beaten. If I gotta get expelled, I'll take that. Why do you think that you and Justin Jones were expelled, but Gloria Johnson was not expelled? You cannot ignore the racial dynamic of what happened today. Two young black lawmakers get expelled and the one white woman does not. That's a statement in and of itself. Yeah. But you'll be back. You, you plan to be back. We'll be back. I believe Memphis and Millington going to send us back. And, uh, we're going to keep fighting for our communities because the status quo is not working. It's hurting people. It's killing people. And they're treating things like this is normal. We can never normalize the ending of democracy. We can never normalize the, the tyranny of the way that these people in positions of power are operating due to white supremacy and due to the maintenance of patriarchy. That's what we're up against. But we are going to fight it because we believe that there is a future that we can live into that is better than the present that we currently have. We deserve it. This is our birthright. Our inheritance is not just some pieces of paper and constitutions and rules. It is the advocacy and the ability to protest for what is right and to create laws and to advocate for laws that make justice more possible. And so that's what we're going to do. And powerful words by um, Brother Pearson. Moving forward, this is what I want you to do. Anytime 
a congressperson, whether it be a state legislature, your local council person, statewide congressman uh, on the federal level, at any time that they say, oh, there's nothing we can do, thoughts and prayers, um, anything like that, one, check their voting record, number one. But two, go online, and I'm going to drop the link to do this in chat, or drop the link in the um, description. Go online and see how much money they're getting from the NRA. Or go to their direct campaign pages or their website and see if they're a 2A or if they're an NRA member. Because that'll tell you a lot. That'll tell you a lot. And the fact of the matter is, is State Representative Pearson is exactly right. We have the power. We can make change. And the change that we are going to make, if we walk up to that person and talk to them, tell them, do all this stuff, they will not listen. They're white. (laughs) White people are not responding to dead white children. And that's just a factor of the matter. They're not responding to that. So they will not respond to anything, nothing that we have to say. So the next step is, is that we will continue to disrupt, protest. There will be no peace, right? And they were also, we need to vote them out. They cannot legislate anymore. They have shown that they are not going to represent their constituents in a way. And so they do not deserve that job anymore. So anytime you see anybody that says anything in favor of gun legislation or against that or says, oh, it's mental health or anything like that, are you voting for mental health services to be easily accessible? Where are the funds going? How much money are you getting from the NRA? Are you an NRA member? Because it's, it's absolutely ridiculous how much money is being funneled into our politics. And I covered this before, is that there is an overwhelming amount of legislation that gets passed every single day from local politics that affect us in our cities, in our, um, in our towns or whatever have you, all the way to the state level and even the federal level of lobbyist groups, of co- big corporations that are spending millions and millions and millions of dollars every single year. And this is not a a talking point. This is not me being a conspiracy theorist. This is not anything like that. It's an absolute fact that money is being funneled into our politics and it's impacting our daily lives. And we see it on a daily basis. 125 um, shootings, mass shootings. Um, And that's not even accounting for the everyday shootings that happen with gun violence. Gun violence is one of the top issues that, that that are killing kids today. And nothing's being happened on a legislative level um, in some of these states, and there's apathy. So, yeah, that is the highly visible topic for today. All right, y'all. So let's get into it. Um, I used to be emotionally unavailable, um, and at times I still am. You, based off of the last segment, I don't know if you could tell that. Um. But it's it's a tough thing for me to admit, um, but it's true. You know, even more transparently, if somebody were to have even said to me, you know, Jonathan, you're emotionally unavailable. If they unavailable, if they said that to me a few years ago, I probably would have been confused and not really sure what the hell that person was talking about. I mean, what the hell does that even mean, really? You know, emotionally unavailable. Um, well, in, in case you didn't know, according to PsychCentral.com, emotionally unavailable refers to someone who doesn't respond to your emotional needs or cues. It can manifest in a variety of ways, including difficulty expressing or handling emotions, getting emotionally close to others, and even avoiding emotional situations altogether. Or (laughs) unavailable emotionally. Um, 
the thing is, when I think back to past Jonathan, I can honestly say that I was feeling all kinds of things. I just didn't know how to feel them. And as I shared earlier, that can manifest in a variety of ways that not only harmed myself, but the people that I said I cared about. And here's the thing, I do, as a human being, as a masculine presenting man, um, and especially as a black masculine presenting man, have emotions, lots of them. I can be happy, sad, angry. And at times, I just don't know how to feel what I'm feeling, how to feel sad, how to feel angry. Now, like I said before, I'm much better at it now, but it still takes me a while to feel safe enough to do it. And over the years, as I got myself into therapy and a good community, I started to pull back these layers of myself and truly tried to discover what it means to be emotionally available to my loved ones. And as I did that, inevitably other stuff came up for me. I started to ask myself, what role did my childhood play in my difficulty processing and communicating my emotions? Answer, it was a lot. In what ways was I socialized to be this way beyond just being emotionally unavailable, unavailable, right? I'm thinking of like the whole macho, macho thing, right? Um, The answer is a lot. (laughs) And I'm black, duh. And what role does that play in all of this? Because of America, right? Um, Long story short, y'all, I've grown a lot and I'm still growing, but I've finally entered into this time in my life where I'm more comfortable in my skin than I ever have been before. And that comfort, more than that, actually, that that love and security of self has freed me to do the things that make me happy and feel most me. I mean, I've I've gotten into yoga over the last like five-ish years. I get pedicures regularly. Well, um, I should get pedicures regularly. I order fruity alcoholic drinks, y'all. Um, sometimes I used to be really embarrassed about doing that, but I love fruit and you mix in. Yeah, it's great. Um, and a big thing for me, I cry more now. Like I used to like try everything I could within myself not to cry. And now I just let the tears flow. And I feel sad. And I can name that without feeling some level of insecurity. Basically, a lot of stuff that is counter to what it means to be a stereotypical masculine black male. Um, and look, y'all, I, I fully acknowledge that I am a black, heterosexual, cisgendered man. And those identities lend me loads of privileges that others don't have particularly uh, my siblings in the LGBTQ plus community. For example, the fact that I can openly share all of this stuff with the world with very little repercussions, right? I can go out into the world, I can go hoop and nobody's gonna question me or anything or or my abilities or anything like that. Nobody's gonna question my masculinity when I walk into a space or even look at me differently. And actually people applaud me for saying this stuff. Like I'm exceptionalized, right? But the folks that like, they've been doing this, that they've embodied this all of their lives, for most of their lives, they actually face, you know, bodily harm on a daily basis for just existing as their full selves. And I truly think that there's something wrong with that. I mean, as an example, not directly with the LGBTQ plus community, um, but homophobia reared his ugly head when just a few weeks ago, Michael B. Jordan and Jonathan Majors went viral over the pics that they took together. And a lot of people um, didn't like how intimate they looked, you know? Um, And there were some people that had some incredibly insightful things to say about it, you know? Um, But there were also some very harmful, horribly harmful things that were were said as well. And it just doesn't sit right with me. You know what I mean? It it, it makes me sad, actually, 
It, it, and the reality is this, is that there are two black men who are friends showing genuine love and support for each other. And they take a picture to express that, put it out in the world. It's on a magazine or whatever. And a bunch of people take that to the 10th degree about what that means about their sexuality, what that means about them portraying black masculinity in the world um, as the huge stars that they are, right? And it's instead of focusing on the beauty of that relationship, which is all love, support, and a platonic intimacy between friends. And for those of you who felt uncomfortable, fine. You know what I'm saying? Like, fine. You know, um, feel uncomfortable, but don't take it to a toxic place. You know what I'm saying? Um, it, it's very possible not to do that. And you just got some stuff to work out within yourself, right? Um, I, I was there, and sometimes I'm still there. I get you. But let's just keep it all the way funky, y'all. We all want that. We all need that. A friend that's going to love us. A friend that's going to hold us down. Show us empathy and compassion when life is too damn hard. That will call us and remind us that life is worth living. And this example demonstrates the importance of redefining and challenging traditional ideas of masculinity within the black community. And the reason why I'm isolating black masculinity is because there is this overwhelming pressure due to racism, systemic and social, (laughs) that like we're not allowed to feel a lot of things, that we have to be restrained, that we have to be controlled, that our bodies are being policed, both literally and um, socially. And so I really wanted to take some time to, 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 to look at that because I've been asking myself this question, gosh, for years now and examining this and looking for a community of people to talk about this with. And I've found those things. I found them. I'm Shout out Walk Good LA who's putting on these, you know, Brother You Good events where it's a black man's healing circle where we're able to openly talk about this and breaking down all these stereotypes. And it's hundreds of over 100 men, black men just doing yoga <laughs> and breathing. And it's important to note that black masculinity is not monolithic. Just like the black experience is not monolithic. We have to remember that just like black people, black masculinity is a complex and nuanced experience. It can mean a lot. Of, it can show up in a lot of different ways. So this is what I wanted to do over the next few weeks is explore this. Explore black masculinity and talking to different people about their experiences with it and their growth and evolution and all these different things. I want to ask the question, what does it mean to be masculine? What does it mean to be black and masculine? And how do we step into our full humanity and experience the full range of emotions and being? Now, I really want to point this out. As we talk about this, it's not lost on me, again, that in many ways, this conversation can often happen in a gender binary context. It's important to note that when we're talking about masculinity and femininity, we're talking about gender constructs, right? These things are made up that like when we think about what is masculine, we assign that to male or man or femininity, female, woman. But gender is so much more than that. Gender is is a spectrum, right? And it's it's much more than just these check boxes that we that we tick off. And I am by no means an expert in this. And as I shared before, I have a ton of privilege when it comes to this conversation as I'm just able to just talk about it. And to be honest, in this time frame, I would actually be rewarded, right, for, for being so open and vulnerable. 
And um, I just want to, and ahead of time, ask for forgiveness for any ignorance. It's definitely not my intention. I never want to cause harm. And, but I also want to acknowledge that that's a possibility. So as always, y'all, please hit us up when we need a loving call in. It is more than welcome. Or if you want to just chime in on the conversation, that is more than welcome too. But I'm so excited to dive into this. I just wanted to give a primer before we dive into it later. Um, I'm excited for our next guest. It's somebody you have heard from before. Um, and so I cannot wait to hear his evolution, um, his story, and kind of where he's at now. Till next time, y'all. Peace. Oh, one more thing, y'all. Oh, my gosh. So I'm going to go ahead and put into the show description um, a GoFundMe. So this one's kind of personal. Um, goodness. So my mom recently got married, um, and her husband, actually, um, he had a massive stroke. I mean, he, he almost died about a year ago, and he's been recovering. Um, it's actually been remarkable. He was told that, you know, he's not supposed to walk again. And he's making miraculous, miraculous recovery. I actually just saw a picture of him standing next to my mom. Um, but they're actually going to be having a ceremony um, at the end of this year in November. And I'm actually officiating and I'm so excited about it. But their uh, medical bills are exorbitant. Um, and they, yeah, they just want to live a wonderful life. And so you've heard my mom on here. She's a wonderful, fantastic woman. Larry is awesome. I'm like in just over the moon for my mom and Larry, um, that they get to have um, a wedding at the end of the year. But those medical expenses are exorbitant. Um, and so would love for y'all to support anything, share the word. Again, that GoFundMe link is going to be in the show notes. So please, please, please support. Doesn't matter how little or how much, please help out. Um, all right, that's for real, for real it. <laughs> Bye, y'all. See you next week.